Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Good to, good to see you this morning. I appreciate that there'll be a number of people in the room that won't have been a part of our series um, of Lost and Alone to Found at Home. This is something that we've been looking at for the last number of weeks now, and uh, it's almost taking us through a, uh, a discipleship pathway of what it looks like to, to be someone who doesn't know who Jesus is, who God is, and then going on that journey of exploration to knowing who he is, accepting who he is, wanting him to change my life, and then effectively living a life for him. And there's uh, different, uh, the five different Ds that we've been going through. And last week we looked at the, a D that was all about devotion. And actually, as, if you're going to call yourself a Christ follower, then you need to be devoted and what, what does it look like to be devoted to that? It isn't just a decision that we just, we just make and then we just carry on living our lives. You know, if we say yes to Jesus, and that should change who we are. It should change the way we live and the way we act and what we say and what we do. And then today we're going to be looking at developing and, and how do we develop ourselves. And particularly, how do we develop ourselves uh, into, into leaders? Now, you might be sat there thinking, I'm not a leader. I guarantee you are. Leaders doesn't mean that you know, you've got to reach the top and, and aim for the CEO position in the business. But I'm sure there are people around you in which you have influence and in which you can lead in one way or another. I think we're all called to be leaders and we're going to be looking at the Bible and what does that say to us um, about that. And growing up when I was younger and even to this day, uh, I have had periods or have had conversations where people have um, spoken to me and they sort of spoken things over me and said that, do you know what, you're, you're mature, you're, you're wise beyond your years. Those of you who know me may, may laugh at that. <laughs> but, but it's true, I've had that spoken over me. And don't let my, uh, my silverness, the silver fox as I like to sometimes call myself, don't let that fool you. I'm not even 30 yet. It's amazing, I know, I'm not even 30. But it's true, I've had that spoken over me. And uh, why? Because one, I think the environment that I grew up in helped shape that. I grew up around older people. And I had older people, wiser people, invest time and effort into my life. I wonder if I could ask you just now, can you think of someone who has invested time and effort into your life that's maybe got you to where you are today or shaped the person that you are today. It may be a parent, it may be a teacher, it may be a boss. But I believe the environment which we, which we grow up in, the people that invest in us, they really shape who we are. You know, and if you did know me, then um, you might say that, actually, do you know what, Matt, you need a lot more development. <laughs> you know, you've not got it all. And do you know what I'd say to you? You're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. But I'd also say, you need developing too. <laughs> it's a bit of a, a bold approach, yeah? But I believe that's true, because I believe that none of us are where we're meant to be now. I believe that we've always got more learning and more growing and more developing to do. We've never, never reached a point where we can just sit back and be like, Do you know what, I've done it, I've made it. 
this is it. I'm living the dream. No, we've always got to be developing ourselves and particularly in line with what God wants for our lives. Always developing in that. And today we're going to be looking at a, a, a character from the Bible, a man from the Bible called Timothy. And there's this guy called Paul who writes these letters to Timothy and we're going to be looking from these letters. And Timothy is someone who has investment put into him. You see, Paul sees something in Timothy. We can see that in Acts when they first meet. Paul sees something, there's potential in him. Maybe you've had that like me, where someone's seen potential in you. Maybe they've even taken a risk on you because they've seen something. And the sort of the language that, that we use here, we're starting to use here in Ivy, is um, an I see in you. It's that I see something in you. I see that there's potential in you to lead, or I see that there's potential in you to do that. Even when you don't see it yourself, do you not find that that's often the case? Yeah, we, we don't see things in ourselves, but actually it's those around us that see the potential in us. Um, I want to encourage you, regardless of whether you're part of Ivy Church or if you're, you're a guest here today, to be having those conversations. That's like a godly conversation to say, do you know what, I see that in you. And build someone up, encourage someone into what God is calling them to do. We see in... Um, in Paul's letters to Timothy, that Timothy's finding his role as leader within this church. He's gone to these churches and he's trying to lead them and correct them from the wrong things that they're doing and the poor theology that they're teaching. And we see that from the letters that Timothy's finding it hard. He's finding life hard. I don't know about you, but do you ever find life hard? Or is it just all plain sailing where you are? If that's you, then please come and speak to me and let me know the trick. But sometimes life is hard, is it not? And sometimes you just feel like, do you know what, I just want to throw in the towel. I just want to give up. Maybe that's, maybe that's happened. Maybe that's been a, a job or something like that or a relationship that you've had. And you're just like, it's too hard and I'm just going to throw in the towel or a situation. And we see in these letters that Paul realises that is where Timothy's at and He's writing to him to say, here's some things that are going to help you. Here's some things that are going to encourage you, uh, be able to do what it is that God has called you to do, because I see that you can do it. Paul's already seen the potential in him, and he's not going to give up on him. You know, I'm so thankful to those people who've never given up on me. Otherwise, I wouldn't be stood here today where I am. I've got a lot to owe for those people, and Paul was one of those. He saw something in Timothy. But I think in terms of investment and how we invest in others, that can only get someone so far. You see, there has to be a responsibility on my part or on your part to actually take what someone's saying and own it for myself and say, actually, yeah, I do see that. And I'm going to run with that. And I'm going to grow in that. And I'm going to develop in that. And I'm actually going to fulfill whatever it is that God's calling me to fulfill. There, there takes, there's an ownership that we need. It can't just be someone else speaking it and me just expect it to happen. It's an ownership. That, um, Andy Stanley, he's a, an author and he writes this, this quote about how it's not my responsibility to fill your cup, but it is my responsibility to empty mine. You see, I've been entrusted with things, with gifts, with um, talents, with wisdom that I'm supposed to pour out. That's my responsibility. And the same is for all of you, but it's our own responsibility to fill our own cup. It's not anybody else's. 
to choose what you take in, what you say yes to, what you say no to. In the Bible, we, uh, it talks about faith being a muscle. We talk about that in the church, faith being a muscle. And this morning, I want us to raise our faith. I want to grow our faith this morning. That's why we're here together. You know, on a Sunday, we come together. This, for those of you who maybe don't come to church, I just want to dispel any um, stereotypes. For me, this isn't church. That might sound odd to you, but it's not church. I believe that as people, we are church. You know, and this is just a church building. We're not bound by four walls. And actually, what we do here on a Sunday, we get to come, we get to celebrate, we get to sing some songs, we get to praise God for little Gabby. But actually, what happens in here, I pray that impacts us so much that our Mondays to Saturdays are different because of what we're hearing and what we're learning and what we're, we're being taught about what God has for us. So let's exercise our faith, just like you'd go to a gym to exercise your muscles. This is a spiritual gym this morning. I hope you will realise that's what you came to. If not, feel free to leave. I won't be offended. We're going to jump into the Bible. We're going to open up at 2 Timothy. So if you've got a Bible, you want to open it. I always say open it if you're old school. Turn it on if you're new school. If you haven't got one, not a problem. It'll come up on the screen, but it's too small to read anyway. So we're all good. I'll read it out for us. It starts at verse 1 to 7. It says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hard-working farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labour. Think about what I am saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. See, in verse 1 to 2, Paul is saying to Timothy, don't just be content with just being a Christ follower. You said yes to following Jesus, and that is great, and we, we love that, we celebrate that. But don't just be content with that. You've got to be thinking about others. This isn't a message that you're just to hold on to yourself. But this is something to be poured out to somebody else. Think about the legacy that you're going to have. Think about future generations. That's what Paul is effectively doing in Timothy. And then he paints three pictures that we're going to look at today about how we can learn to be better leaders in whatever sphere we're in, whether, whether we believe in God or not. I think these are transferable skills, effectively, that are going to help us in terms of our personal development and leadership. And he paints these pictures. He talks about being a soldier. He talks about being an athlete. And he talks about being a farmer. He says you've got to be dependable like a soldier. He says you've got to be disciplined like an athlete. And you've got to be diligent like a farmer. So let's jump into this first one, being dependable. I don't know about you, but for me in my own personal walk with God, I've often found that the times I've grown the most have often been when life's been tough and I've been challenged or I've been tested. And that's when my faith really has got to kick in. Because if I really believe it, then I've got to trust in it. And it's only when I come out the other side that I find, when I look back, wow, look how far I've grown. Look how far I've gone. Look what God's done in that. Some of you may know this, many of you won't, but um, 
last year, my wife and I had some uh, tests done. We were going through uh, our fertility journey. Praise God, he answered our prayer, just like Hannah's that we, we read before. We were praying for a child, and we've got a baby on the way in September, and we are so excited about that. It's going to turn our lives completely upside down. <laughs> and am I ready? I don't know. We'll soon find out, hey? Maybe this story will let you know into a little bit of that. So last summer, we had these tests done. And this was a test that Lucy was having. And uh, for some reason, I had opted to go into the room with her. I can only say I was thinking about husband points. If you're a husband out there, you'll know what I mean. Just got to get that one in the bag. If I do this for her, then we're winning. So I went into the room with her. Now, for what I can only put down to, I'm sticking to this, is poor choice of clothing on my part, what I was wearing, and the faulty um, thermostat in the room must have been, it must have been faulty because the room was very, very warm. Let me just put it that way. The room was very warm. And it was also on a summer's day. All right? So it's not, it's not really going well. But we come to the end of the testing, um, which actually didn't go that well that day, in all honesty. Um, and I got up from my chair and I went to open the door to leave the room. And in the process of doing so, I clonk out. I fall back onto the chair, which then goes off, I then go off the chair, smacking myself on the floor. In the meantime, I fall into the curtain that my wife is getting changed behind. Not great. I then come round, I'm lying flat out on the floor, passed out. I come round to five, six nurses, all have rushed into this room, checking my blood pressure, checking that I'm okay, offering me glasses of water, offering me biscuits. Uh, and it wasn't even me that was going for the testing. <laughs> Here's a picture of me. There we go. <laughs> On the oxygen, everything. Why am I showing you this? Why am I humiliating myself in front of some people I do know, a lot of people I don't know. <laughs> Why? Because it's in the tough times that the real you shines through. Now, there's no, re there's no, there's no wonder that we now have a backup list of who's going to be with my wife on day of delivery. <laughs> I can fully understand that, that some of our close friends and family are going to be on speed dial in case Matt clonks out when baby round comes into this world. Yeah? Because it's, in the, it's when you're challenged, it's when you're tested that the real you shines through. I thought I'd be absolutely fine with all of that. It turns out I'm not. <laughs> Instead, I end up passing out and having more notes taken on me than my wife. But you know, Paul says that we've got to uh, endure the suffering. That doesn't mean that we enjoy suffering as Christians, as Christ followers, you don't enjoy it. It's not something that we go seeking after. But what Jesus says is that if you're going to proclaim my name, then you've got to expect suffering. Because what I'm here to say is challenging to culture. It's challenging the norm. It's something different that people actually sometimes don't like to hear. So you've got to expect it's going to happen and endure it. Endure it, but don't enjoy it, endure it. And when you get through it, that's when you grow, that's when you get better. Paul talks about being a soldier. He, talks, he says um, the secret for the soldier's success is what? It is by pleasing his commanding officer. 
doing everything he can. If, you're, if you know someone who's uh, in the forces, or maybe you have been yourself, you're either training for a battle or you're in a battle. Yeah? And you've got to be ready to do what you've got to do when they say. Yeah? We can't just be dilly-dallying around. You've got to be dependable like a soldier. And being dependable means being trustworthy, being reliable. It means being where you need to be, with what you need, ready to go. And there's no excuses. Just because you're having a bad day or an off day doesn't mean that you, you just get to, to drop out. No, endure it. Endure it. And I don't want this to come across like I'm telling people off. I know that that's sometimes how we can receive it. It's like, flipping it, is this guy just telling me I've got to endure all the rubbish in my life? I wish he'd just get off the stage. No, I'm not saying that. I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you. That is where my heart is. And the reason I, I want to encourage you and why I can encourage you through saying something like this is because I believe you can endure it, whatever you're going through, whatever tough thing may be going on in your life. I want to say you can endure it if you invite Jesus into it, if you invite the Holy Spirit into it. Because... Just like Jesus, he endured everything for us. We read in the Bible that he endured the cross. Now, I don't know if you understand what the cross means, but it means everything for a Christian. That he endured such a horrific death for each and every one of us sat in this room, for you personally. And it's because of that that I know that I can endure what I'm going through. Because the same spirit that was in him, that enabled him to go through something that is just so horrific, is the same spirit that lives in me, that enables me to get through whatever life is throwing at me. And you may think that that's, so what, I don't really care about that. But I want to say, just listen to that. Don't just dismiss it straight away. Because if you didn't know that this morning, then this is for you. This message is for you. Because God loves you. If you read the Bible, you'll find out that it all comes out of a heart of love. It's all based upon love. It's not based on do's and don'ts and that rubbish. It's based on love because he loves us. And you might think, how could God love me? How could he love me? Like I, I mess up all the time or he's not going to be bothered about me. But he does. He absolutely does. And he sees you where you're at. He sees maybe the hurt, maybe the heartbreak, the struggle, the pain, whatever that is. He sees that. And because he sees that, he sent Jesus to say, I've got a way to make it better. A way that you can endure all of that. And then eventually you can live, you can live with me in eternity in heaven. You see, it's through, through the Holy Spirit, that's how we can be dependable as a person. He then goes on and says about being disciplined and he talks about an athlete. Now I'm quite into my sport and um, uh, I often get told off because too many of my stories from here are about sport and apparently that half the room switch off if I talk about sport. So apologies if you don't like sport but just bear with me for like the next two minutes. Um, he says that athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. Do we not see that all the time in sport, even in this day and age? Even with all the technology that we have, people still try and bend the rules in order to gain the prize, don't they? Yeah. 
We see it in top professional athletes. I, I saw this, um, I read about this guy. Um, he made me laugh so much. I was like, I've got to talk about this guy. He's a guy called Fred Laws. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He uh, was an American athlete, an American runner. He competed in the 1904 um, Olympics as a marathon runner and started off the race with everybody else. He managed nine miles. He then got too tired. So his manager picked him up in his car, drove for 11 miles and dropped him off. He then finished the race and came first, surprisingly enough, <laughs> winning gold medal. Now, he did eventually fess up and say that it wasn't legitimate, I can't win the gold medal, because he didn't follow the rules. The rules in marathon running is, I'm pretty sure you can't get in a car and drive for half the race. If it was, I'd probably enter that sport. But if you really want to unleash the potential that God has in your life, that he has for you, that he has placed in you, then you've got to be dependable, but you've also got to be disciplined. As an athlete, athletes are disciplined. If you know any of them, especially if they compete at a high level, they are disciplined. I had a friend at school, she was a swimmer, two or three hours before school in the pool, full day of school, straight after, two or three hours back in the pool, Saturday, Sunday, in the pool, training or competing. It was obsessive. She was disciplined. There were things that she had to say no to because she wanted to say yes to something else. You've got to be disciplined if you want to grow. She was committed. See, being disciplined is, is doing what you have to do now in order to do what you want to do in the future. It's doing what you don't really want to do now so you can do what you want to do in the future. That's what being disciplined is. Are we disciplined because being disciplined in the decisions that we make, they affect our destiny. More so than just having dreams and desires. We can be like, oh, do you know what? I dream of doing this. That's great. We love dreams. I, I encourage you, dream as big a dream as you can. God's got some great dreams for you. But they'll only ever remain a dream unless you start to put some actions in place. And that's where discipline comes in. Then he talks about being diligent and he says... Hard-working farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labour. Now, I'm not 100% sure, but it's perhaps you could say that Timothy was in a place where he was, getting frustrated, feeling overwhelmed, feeling like, I just want to throw the towel in, because he wasn't seeing any fruits of his labour. He was trying to sort of turn this church around and say, you're doing it wrong. You've got to do it like this. Like, this, is what, this is what the Lord says and you're not hearing me. Maybe he was discouraged because he didn't see that there was an immediate change. We're in a culture of now, aren't we? Yeah? We want things now. Why, why wait a week when I can have it now? Amazon Prime, now. Yeah? I don't, want to, I don't want to have to go to the shop when I'm next free. I can order it and it'll be with me in two hours. Uber Eats, I don't want to have to go out to a restaurant. Bring it to me now. Yeah? We're, our culture is a now culture. God's got a different message. We heard from uh, Robert, a testimony of Robert last week, and he's talking about how uh, God's got like two speeds. And the first one is wait. Surprisingly, wait, 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 be patient. And the next one is, and suddenly, then God moves. All in his timing. We've got to be diligent like the farmer. I don't know if, you, if, you go, if you've been to farms or you see farms or you know farmers, but for most of the year it looks pretty barren. 
It looks like they're not doing anything, but I can assure you, farmers are working hard. They are up early, they are in bed late. Why? Because they know eventually the, the crop is going to come, the harvest is going to come, and that's what God says to us. I mean, I am not green-fingered at all. You can come to my house and you'll see that I am not green-fingered. But in our last house, I took real pride and joy in our garden, but only one aspect of the garden, and that was my lawn. I like lawns. It's a bit weird. I'm not really bothered about plants. See, all the plants died probably within the first week or two. The lawn looked awesome. Lines and everything. Yeah? Because I was diligent about looking after the lawn, I wasn't diligent about looking after the plants. Are we diligent? Are we taking time to do that? You see, God promises us a good harvest and it will come if we're dependable, if we're disciplined, and if we're diligent. But this is all a choice that we've got to make. This isn't, as I said at the start, I can, I can say all these things, I can encourage you, I can try and present my case, or in fact, it's not even my case, I'm just saying what I feel God is saying to us. That's all I'm being is a messenger. This is what I feel God is saying to us as a church. But it's up to you to take that, wrestle with it yourself and see, am I get, is what that guy said on Sunday actually going to make a difference in my life? Does it meet me where I need to be met? Can I invite the band up? That'd be great. I wonder as a, as a community we could um, change the way in which we look at life. You know, we often, when you ask them, how's it going? What are you doing? Um, how's your week been? You know, it's like, oh, it's been all right. Oh, that's, that's just really rubbish and all of this. I wonder if we could change our mindset to not see things that are tough in life as areas in which God has just been like I've abandoned you in that rather than seeing that we've been distanced from him actually see it as something where I'm going to grow and I'm going to become better because I know that I can get through it I wonder if we could change our mindset that we're not just always being negative on things to actually be positive about what God is doing in our lives and that actually it's okay to endure hard times because that's when we grow and that's when we become better so in terms of responding to this message that I brought this morning I spoke about three things and maybe one of those has jumped out to you as, a, as an individual maybe you've thought you know actually am I as dependable as I, as I should be if I was to get a call tomorrow to go and do this, would I be ready to do that? Or maybe it's being disciplined. Maybe you're just like, you know what, actually that's an area that I just really struggle with. I try to do it on my own, but I just can't. Maybe you need like some accountability or something to help you be disciplined. Be like putting barriers in place in your life. Always going back to the thing that's just causing disruption and hurt and pain. It's like, I need to get it out of my life. You've got to be disciplined for that. Or maybe it's being diligent and just working hard, relentless, giving it your all. But actually, in preparing this morning, I always, whenever I'm speaking, I always, I always ask God, I'm always like, God, you've got to get me excited about something when I'm speaking. I can't just, I just want to come and just deliver a message. That's not me. I want to get excited about what I'm saying. I want to mean what I'm saying. And I felt that God was saying to me about this, He's like, those three things are great and they're great to develop us as people. But what does Paul say to Timothy at the start? How does he start off his letters 
when he sees that someone who he's invested time and effort in is struggling? What does he do? He reminds him of why he is where he is. He reminds him of the very reason that he's been sent to that church. He reminds him of the very call that God has placed on his life. He reminds him of what Jesus has done for him. He brings him back to the start. And I'm like, that is what I want to get excited about. Be reminded of why am I here? I'm not just here just to live however many years I live and that's it. I'm here because I believe God's got a plan for me in this life. He's got a purpose for me. And I believe that for each and every one of you, whether you believe it or not, I believe it for you. And so maybe this morning as by way of response, you just want to remind yourself, just have a moment to remind yourself of what am I even doing? <laughs> what is it God that sparked that flame initially that got me excited about you? And if you don't know him, that could be today that you get excited about him, that you think, do you know what? This whole Jesus thing is starting to make sense. And actually I want to, I want to have some faith because I'm going through some tough times. I could do with some help. Jesus is there to help you. Absolutely guaranteed. Can I encourage you if you're able to stand? That'd be great. And maybe you just want to close your eyes if you feel comfortable and maybe even put out your hands in it as a posture of receiving. That's something that we sometimes do. Just getting physical posture is always a good thing. It helps us mentally and spiritually. So, I would give you the opportunity this morning, if you've never said yes to, to Jesus, if you've never even considered it, and actually this has come like a real side swipe across you this morning. But you know, you're just thinking, do you know what? God, if you're out there, then I need you. And I don't have all the answers and I don't know what it means to follow you. And that is absolutely fine because it's a journey. We're all on a journey. I've definitely not mastered it. And I always mess up. But I know that my Heavenly Father loves me and forgives me. And He wants to pour His love and forgiveness on you as well. So that's you. I'd, I want to encourage you to be brave right now and to stick up a hand if you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you are in a place where you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I've almost lost the, the reason why I'm even doing what I'm doing and I need to come back to that call. I need to be reminded of what God placed in my heart all those years ago. If that's you, I'd love for you to raise a hand. I'd love to pray for you. Let's just pray and then we'll go into a, a moment of response. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus, and for what he did for us on the cross. Lord, I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And Lord, you are inviting us this morning to come into your family. You're inviting us to participate in, in that plan and purpose that you have for us. And I pray, Father, that those that are maybe feeling lost right now, Lord, that they would be reminded 
of what it is that gets them excited about you. Lord, that you would spark a flame inside of them so that they can go out just as Timothy went out for you, Lord, that they can go and do that. And Lord, I pray for all of us as whatever spheres we're in, as leaders, you would help us invest in those around us. Help us invest in those that, uh, that need it. Lord Jesus, whether that be in a workplace or a family place, whatever, help us see the gold in people and be able to draw that out so that they can be better. We just want to pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.